Well, hello, hello. Welcome to uh, a solo episode of uh, me talking about my capstone project. So my capstone project is uh, focused around English learners at Brighton. This project actually started with uh, me just talking to a friend. Uh, she came to the U.S right before the pandemic started so basically she got stuck here and she had no choice but to enroll at a school at uh, in us right she had zero english so the first year was really rough for her she told me uh she had f's across the board and she was very much alone and isolated because uh the population at brighton isn't exactly, uh, d- doesn't speak her language, her, her first language. Luckily though, she, uh, she found a friend and this friend speaks her first language. So this friend became her kind of interpreter to a, to a degree. Uh, now, uh, I think two years later, three years later, um, her grades are doing much better, although there are still a couple of Fs, but she's doing better. And she's told me she can understand about half of the class and but and relies heavily on uh, Google Translate to do her work, which is kind of sad, to be honest. Like, imagine not being able to express your own uh ideas but having to go through a machine to express your ideas and that got me thinking I was like um what is the English language learner situation at Brighton right so I I interviewed I then interviewed uh the teachers for the English learner class it's called uh English language development development they're taught by Mr. Anderson and Miss Yee so they told me that uh, their class size is around uh, 15 to 20. It's uh, usually a, a big a majority of the population is uh, Spanish speaking. And the class focuses around, uh, it's structured like a, th- a three-part kind of thing, where the first part is uh, just reading time and just chatting to each other and the second part is a workbook that focuses on uh, grammar and the third part is a online application that uh, focuses on uh, phonetics and like listening Uh, and then I asked them what like some of the difficulties or what things they have they wanted to say about this program this ELD program it's uh they both said that teach uh, students have come to them asking like about how they can fix their grade and Miss Yi and Mr. Anderson uh said uh kind of reflected on why students were failing literally in every single class they thought they believe that teachers are using like the same rubric for well it's not they believe it it is a fact that teachers are using 
the same rubric for non-English learners and English learners, and that's not really fair for the the non. I mean, for the English lear learners, right? So they wanted teachers to have to assign alternative assignments, but then the problem is. Teachers don't know how to design alternative assignments for English learners, so as a result, the students are just failing across the board. Um, so that was like the first problem I I kind of identified in this in my research journey. I guess is teachers don't know how to design suitable.、Uh, Rubrics for in for English learners, and then they also talked about this bubble effect at BHS, because so I mentioned that the majority of English learners at at Brighton is、uh, Spanish speaking, so what they tend to do is they tend to cluster and form a very tight knit group. And if you're Spanish speaking, this group is really helpful. It it helps you to have a sense of belonging. It um, it's it's like a support system where you can support each other, right? But this bubble also hinders further language development because students tend to just um speak Spanish. With this group of student and refuses to learn English or is much slower at learning English because they don't have to use the English. And if you're outside of this Spanish-speaking bubble, then you're completely isolated. Well, you're not completely, but you're pretty much isolated and very, very much alone, and you don't have a sense sense of belonging because if, for example, a、uh, mm, A Portuguese speaking, I mean Portuguese Spanish.、Mm, that's not a great example.、Um, I guess if a Chinese speaking student comes into the class and sees a group of Spanish people, and she will, they will feel very much alone, and it's easy to slip into a, an episode of depression and. This was also mentioned by my friend、uh, that I interviewed. So that was like kind of like the second problem that I identified is this lack of emotional this bubble, and this bubble, if you're inside, it's hard to integrate this knit close knit community to this general population. And if you're outside the bubble, you need tremendous amounts of extra emotional support. Well, they don't have that yet. They need it. So, and then I interviewed another teacher who have completed a, a master's degree level, like research on CTEC programs and ESL learners and English and E and yeah yeah wait no English yeah ESL learners yeah. So she mentioned that、um, it's a nationwide problem that teachers don't know how to deal with ELs because it's it wasn't a problem until about five or ten years ago. So they don't have adequate, they don't have、uh, sufficient training, and they're 
well-intended policies in place, but teachers don't know how to actually implement it. And another uh, like major thing that we talked about is this idea of cultural capital. So capital, the word by itself, usually means uh, wealth in the form of money, like capital income versus revenue income, right? So cultural capital is kind of like the same, works similarly. It refers to, to the social and cultural knowledge that can help make a student progress through society. These things can be customs, practices, traditions, etc. And um, one example that Miss West gave me was the uh, how a student changes their schedule. Like, if you have an... Um, so, okay. If someone has been through the American education system, they know that they have to go to their counselor before the semester or trimester starts and talk to them about schedule changes. And if you can do it by yourself, you can do it on uh, Skyward, right? But if, but for an immigrant, they have no idea where to go to, they, for, okay, let me re-say that phrase. For an immigrant, um, they are highly motivated, they want to learn, but they don't know what they can do to get into those classes. They don't know that you have to go to go to a counselor to make schedule changes, or they, they don't even know it's possible to make schedule changes. Schedule changes, because for a lot of countries, schedules aren't changeable. Like it's if the system gives you three core classes in, in a row, that's what what you're stuck with. So it's knowledge like that that makes uh, immigrants at that places immigrants at a, a very disadvantage dis, disadvantage disadvantageous p- position compared to native uh, students. Um, so as a part of the English, as a part of the EL education. Um, the, the, uh, we should also incorporate uh, how to gain cultural capital and like teach these things to um, immigrants, right? So they know how to do their taxes, where to do, where to go for like insurance stuff. So these kind of are the two problems is um, that I've identified. Now I kind of looked for now I'm like moving forward to uh, looking for solutions that I can identify or I can probably borrow from other places so we can help the learners at BHS. So the first place I looked at is France and New Zealand. Um, So I should preface that it's when you're learning a language it's very easy to lose your native language. To avoid this problem, uh, this framework that they are using emphasizes on language inclusiveness and the idea that bilingualism is a advantage in learning rather than a deficit. 
So um, their studies have shown that bilinguals perform uh, better than monolinguals in cognitive and academic tasks. And bilinguals also demonstrate uh, higher sensitivities, higher sensitivity to social cues. Because of these benefits, um, this framework aims to foster at least bilingual, not e if not prolingualism uh, in their educational environment. This framework also, their framework also utilizes the idea that um, language acquisition is most effective when, um, when the educational environment utilizes the student's first language to build proficiency in the second language. And the advantages of doing of of uh, doing so is um, it helps with the transition. It helps it helps to support the learning and uh, integration of. Hold up, did I? Is that not here? I wrote. Hold on. Huh. Oh well. It helps to it helps the immigrants to better in a smoother transition, I guess, because in this learning environment, both the old language and the new language are present, so it's easier for immigrant students to uh, get used to the environment, I guess. Uh, a second advantage would be to the uh, it helps the immigrants to not lose their native language as aforementioned right and um, a third advantage as kind of a bonus right is wait is they uh, help create this idea of having many languages in a educational environment is that they help other students who are monolingual to pick up languages or to teach them to respect other people's culture. So that was the case study of uh, France and New Zealand. Then I looked into Sweden and Norway. So Sweden and Norway, they're kind of known for taking in asylum seekers, right? And these asylum seekers, they are not sweet. Uh, they're not Swedish. They're not fluent in Swedish, nor or Norwegian, right? So what they, so their educational system is structured differently. They would have parallel classes where newcomers who speak zero Swedish would enroll in a separate class. And this separate class would have just language focused and it would have uh, it doesn't differentiate between grades, which is what we're doing at BHS. And once you move past the uh, extremely new, brand new stage, you would move into the regular class. But for like a certain amount of hours per week, you would have to work with a language specialist to, you know, catch up on your Swedish. <laughs> What's special about their system is that um, 
every teacher at least has some level of training in teaching language learners because a a majority a big percentage of their student population is language learners so teachers kind of have to know what to do with them and another uh part of their system is hiring mother tongue speaking counselors to help students navigate uh through like through Uh, schedule changes, for example, you know, and uh, check in with their emotional state or communicate with their parents. So I thought that was something that we could implement at BHS. So my solutions for the first problem, which is inadequate teacher training, I thought we could follow Sweden and Norway's example where we mandate... um, some level of ESL training for every single teacher so they at least know what to do when a English learner shows up. Um, This takes care of the problem of designing alternative assignments for English learners Um, and that that um, oh yeah hold on and that um, would help out with the academic performances of um, English learners, right? Um, the second problem was on a uh, the inability to build up um, c- cultural capital. I thought we could follow uh, uh, Sweden and Norway's example again. Um, it's where uh, um, the district would hire like interpreters almost, but um, counselors of different mother tongues. So they can uh, check in with students, like not daily check-ins, but like weekly check-ins where they rotate through the high schools and check in with students. And for cultural support to build up the cultural capital, I thought we could have like sessions for newcomers where they would discuss um, for newcomers' parents specifically, where they can discuss like um, where to go to get the cheapest and grocery or the best grocery, um, how to get involved in community projects, how to do uh, college planning and tax preparation or even immigration stuff like um, visas and all that stuff. And um, yeah, um, so this whole system would take a lot of money and why should we care so the first reason why we should care is that uh, english learners are a population that is growing very fast it's growing uh let's see at a rate of 59 percent per year and it's it will be a it will become a bigger and bigger problem if we don't address it. 
And the second problem is that Im immigrant students are highly, highly motivated. And if they can get the support that they need, they will be highly successful in society. Um, this fact I pulled from um, the UN is that uh, is um, says immigrant students were more likely than non-immigrant students to expect to expect to be working as professionals or managers when they were when they were thirty. So these highly motivated students who managed to overcome like the double disadvantage of being new and sometimes poor, they can they have the potential to make exceptional contributions to uh, their host country, which is United States in this case. So these are the reasons why, why we should care. And we also should talk about, and the final reason why we should care is because um, the lack of English language support reflects how do I word this? Um, reflects in the academic performances of these students. So the most like startling, I guess, um, fact is that only about sixty-seven percent of the uh, of Yale's gra graduate compared to fifty. I mean, eighty-six percent of all students. That's really sad. Um, that they are not able to graduate and they um, they drop out or they and become a burden of the the family you know it's and they came to the US thinking they can be successful they can um, you know get the support but in reality they're not getting the support and they're failing so, I think these are reasons, these are good enough reasons why we should care. And um, that's it. That's my uh, capstone. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, I guess. <laughs>